Welcome back to Foster.Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Chris, and I'm an education coordinator at Foster.Minnesota. And I'm Sunny, also an education coordinator here in FAM. Chris, we're getting towards the end of our communication series. Who is our guest today? Jeremiah is a returning guest who has been a foster to adopt parent for a number of years. Please welcome back, Jeremiah. Yay! Hello. <laughs> Jeremiah, I know you like to talk, so could you please share with our listeners a little bit about your family? Absolutely. Well, my name is Jeremiah Lewis. Um, my husband and I have been married since 2014. And um, pretty much as soon as we got married, we started talking about the possibility of having children. And um, as a gay couple, it's uh, not necessarily out of the question it's not necessarily an easy process either but um we knew that this was something we wanted to do and lo and behold nine years later well no not nine years uh yeah nine years later um here we are with uh two boys of our own we have uh, a three-year-old he will be four in november and then we have our youngest will be two in july um, and so we went through the foster care process. We fostered from the 2016 to 2017 calendar year, um, which basically means I have been changing diapers for <laughs> seven years now. And uh, I'm ready for the little ones to be potty trained. <laughs> you are a pro. <laughs> well, I just have to interject. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I just have to interject, but... I love the way you seamlessly said boys of our own. So oh. I I just love that. Okay, I'm sorry, Chris. No, no, that's completely jump okay. in whenever. <laughs> um, well, thanks for that, Jeremiah. We invited you here today to add to our communication series to provide what communication is like in a home with two dads. And since you've had so many experiences with diapers and foster care world. Um, we just wanted others to learn from you and to get an idea of what things are like in your world. So let's get started. Yeah, of right. So as you mentioned, and we talked about, you've had lots of out-of-state experiences with foster care. And can you share the differences and what stuck out most for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, being uh, a gay couple in Alaska, where we were living before we moved here, um, was quite different than it is here. Um, when we started the foster care process, um, the limited uh, resources up there, um, i.e. the agencies, um, did not make or were not shy about making it known that it would be more difficult for us, if not impossible. Um, you know, everybody has to take this, you know, foster care training course. And in Alaska, it was this two-hour course um, over multiple nights. And um, halfway through the first night, the woman who was giving the, the talk and going through the booklet um, made it a point of it getting up in front of everyone, um, not being shy about her attitude. And looking right at my husband and saying, well, you're very lucky that you two are here because we basically had to make a special uh, exception for you to be here. 
And um, at the time, I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, I knew that it had something to do with us being a same-sex couple since we were the only ones in the room. Um, but it turns out that the Catholic social services do not allow um, same-sex couples to foster or to adopt through their services at all. And what she was talking about was the fact that Alaska has so few foster families and so few uh, people willing to take foster children that um, Alaska is the only state where the Catholic social services have been granted permission to use same-sex couples. Um, that was that was our first taste of um, really being treated differently, um, not like everyone else. Now, um, in my life, I I can I can say that I'm a you know a cis acting uh, white male, so I have the privileges that come along with that. So I really have never faced um, big diversity challenges in my life. But um, this was the beginning of multiple instances where um, the fact that I had a husband and not a wife uh, would come into play. Um, and especially in Alaska, and especially when dealing with um, uh, third party agencies or third party social workers who um, frankly could have cared less that we were there offering our services or offering to take, take a child. And then you, how long were you licensed before you moved to Minnesota? And can you speak more of your experiences in Minnesota yeah. during the licensing period? So we moved to Minnesota in uh, 2020, end of 2019. Um, so we were licensed the, um, so just about three years in Alaska. Now we did have places. Um, uh, we were placed with two boys, um, wonderful, wonderful little babies. And um, I'm sure um, now that they're with their families reunified, um, that they're going to have wonderful lives. Um, but we only had two and we were only ever offered those two. Um, and one of them was um, a, a child of, uh, of a broken home where the father wasn't involved and the mother, um, she didn't mind where the child went. And when she was asked if she minded if it was, if her child was placed with a same sex couple, um, frankly, um, I don't think she quite understood what that meant. Um, her education level was not, um, was not the highest. And uh, at times um, I felt that um, some of the things that were told to her and that she was supposed to understand, uh, frankly, I don't think she did. So it wasn't until she met us in person that I, I think that it, it clicked what they meant by a same-sex couple. Um, but even then she, you know, she saw what wonderful care we were taking care of our son and, and she didn't mind at, at all. Um, and then when we got here, uh, we didn't waste any time. Uh, 
to become licensed. We knew that we wanted to continue. We knew that our journey was not over. We knew that there was at least one baby that out there that needed us just as much as we needed him or her. And um, we always knew that the universe would, would send the right one to us when, when the time was right. I love it. That's uh, very trusting of you of the universe. It's lovely. Um, so what barriers did you find were the hardest? And what advice do you have for same-sex couples in overcoming these barriers? The biggest barrier that I found was, um, was partly myself. Because when you're reading profiles of children, some, some, if not most, have a little tiny sentence in it that says, child would prefer a mom and a dad, or the child would prefer um, a male and a female, or something to that effect, basically stating that the child is requesting um, that they go to a home with one male, a mom, and a dad. Um, and that for me, that for me was very hard to accept, um, especially when we're reading profiles um, of like two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Um, and then, you know, understanding that obviously that's not the child's preference. Obviously, someone has um, put that in there, whether it be a social worker or whether it be the, um, the uh, biological family. Um, somebody besides that child has, has wrote this little sentence that uh, makes me and my husband um, feel, feel that we could not pursue or we were not welcomed to pursue. Um, so I think that was the biggest barrier, um, was trying to overcome that one little sentence. Did you oh, find wow. yourself, oh, sorry, um, did you find yourself asking anyway or inquiring eventually, like getting over that? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, I, my husband and I talked about it and, and we had looked at a, a, a pair of siblings and the pair of siblings, um, you know, it said, you know, they, they love to play basketball and one of them, you know, loves to play Fortnite, which is right up my alley. Um, and so reading these profiles and then again, you know, here's this sentence. It's in one of the, the child's profiles, but it's not in the other child's profile. And I, I just decided that, you know, what the heck, let's, let's just try it. Let's find out if this child really does prefer to have a mom and a dad. Um, it turned out that when, by the time we had asked about that sibling set, they were no longer available, but um, I, I did get over that and I did, or I was explained that most of the time that that's just something that um, is thrown in there because maybe they didn't come from a home with two parents. And so, that's just someone's way of saying that maybe this child, uh, for whatever reason, like developmentally or attachment-wise, uh, there's something about them that 
the social worker or um, whoever wrote the profile feels that they might do better with two people in the home raising the child instead of just one. So when it when it was explained to me like that, um, the sentence really kind of no longer had power over me. Um, so it, I just started acquiring inquiring about basically every child. <laughs> oh, good for you. Is that an explicit question or are you saying that they just randomly put in those sentences? I'm not sure. Um, I know that um, looking at the Minnesota.gov website, they have those profiles of, of waiting children. And if you read some of those profiles, you can actually see it in some of those profiles. So whether or not that that's a question that they've asked the child, but again, you know, they've got children so young that they wouldn't really know what that meant. And so, so I would assume that in, in some part, that is something that uh, maybe their social worker throwing in there or someone has decided to put that sentence in there for one reason or another. But I, I, I can't imagine, you know, uh, a two-year-old has, is asking for a mommy and a daddy at that point. Great. It's, and that's good advice to always ask questions if something doesn't sound right or if you really, if there is something about a profile or a photo or something you hear about a child to go ahead and ask. And it might take a while for, for people maybe starting out to be able to do that. Yeah, it, you know, when you're first starting out, um, there's so many rules and there's so many um, things that need to be done. There's so many uh, T's that need to be crossed and I's that need to be dotted. That um, whereas, at least in part for me, I was thinking that I was on step Z, ready to go. But then when, you know, when the social worker would call her or my, my um, agency person contact would call, uh, it turns out I'm on step D and I just completely skipped an entire part of the packet that I was supposed to fill out. And now I needed to slow down, take a deep breath, and then finish the paperwork. So sometimes when you're starting out, the, the, the anticipation, um, it can be nerve wracking, like really nerve wracking, even if you don't have like a potential child, but just knowing that you're so close to being able to foster a child that needs help or needs me or needs something, um, it can be almost as nerve wracking as actually finalizing an adoption, in my opinion. I don't know if I would have thought of that. That's um, really interesting. That's a great thing to, to let interested couples know. All right, yeah, so you're under the microscope just as much as, you know, more so than, than youth and children at times too. Looking into every nook and, nook and cranny of your life. Yeah, um, and, and, and asking about where you've lived for 10 years or five years and then who who's your family. And, you know, uh, I, I remember there were questions um, in there about um, the way that my parents disciplined me. Um, and I had to uh, 
basically write an entire page just for that one answer because um you know growing up in my household it was not typical um a, a typical childhood experience so what i overcame you know as a child would obviously never be what i would bestow upon an, another child um and so i had ex i explained you know how i was disciplined and you know why i was disciplined that way um, not necessarily justifying the tech uh, tech techniques that were used but just trying to um, help whoever was going to read this better understand um and then of course like the very next question is would you use any of those techniques when disciplining your own children and i'm like oh no no way <laughs> um so it's it it can feel like it's invasive and it can feel like they're they're opening some wounds at times but um i'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing right well you definitely have to examine your past so that you can parent well in the present um when you were writing your answers how much guilt did you feel what was that? How much guilt did you feel when you were writing your answers about that? You know, I don't think I felt any guilt. Okay. Um, I almost felt cathartic in a way. I felt maybe that it was a little cathartic that I had to write these these things out. Um, you know, re-examining them. Um, I think it actually gave me a little bit of closure. Um, because here I am, um, you know, uh, you know, in my forties, um, having to explain to someone who I don't know, who I will probably never meet why and how I'm going to discipline a child if, if they deem me fit to parent a child. So getting to explore that and knowing what I don't want to do and what I can't do um, based on what I, based on my own childhood experiences, um, it, it did give me a little bit of closure. I gotta be honest. Um, and, I, and, and I actually really enjoyed um, getting that off of my chest, even if it was just on the paper that, you know, only maybe one person's <laughs> ever gonna read. Oh, I totally get that. As a writer myself, writing is so cathartic and healing. And who knew that you would find it in the foster care application process? I love that. That's great. Yeah, it is. I mean, so. this, it was going to be some moment in the child's life where I get to share in this moment of, uh, of development and and it was going to be some, oh my goodness, look at what I've parted on this child. Um, now don't get me wrong, it's there because every day um, my son does something like yesterday, just out of the blue, he's my youngest son just started saying, thank you, Dada. Like, and, and he used it appropriately. I handed him something and he looked at me and said, thank you, Dada, and walked away. I tell you what, I cried for like 10 minutes. That's shocking. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> so I always felt that, you know, my 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 personal um, breakthroughs and my personal um, 
development and growth. We're going to come from all experiences like that. And honestly, I never experienced or expected to experience that kind of uh, breakthrough filling out a form to uh, to uh, apply to foster care. I uh, love it. Okay, so parents can expect um, a writing catharsis and joy <laughs> of breakthroughs. Love it. <laughs> it's something, um, I mean, uh, something I would recommend is like, you know, I, I asked my husband when we first started this is like, well, how much information is too much information? You know, um, how much do I really tell them? Uh, I mean, I'm looking at telling a complete stranger that my mother was bipolar, manic, depressive, schizoaffective with uh, maybe three to five personalities. Um, how much of that do they need to know? And I surprisingly shared a lot. <laughs> Um, I surprisingly uh, uh, felt once I got going that I needed to share more. Now, whether I had to share more uh, is a completely different story. But for me personally, I, I needed to share that information. No, I, that's great. Would you, um, were you, was a part of you afraid that some of it might be used against you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. I, um, I had... In the back of my mind, as soon as I mailed that paperwork off, I instantly started to regret it. I instantly had this, you know, buyer's remorse. Uh, what have I done? I've, I've probably ruined the chance for my husband and I to have a child because here he is with a normalish, boring upbringing. Um, and here I am with this, you know, this wild, um, un, you know, just not normal uh, childhood and upbringing. Um, but it never, I don't think it ever came up again. Um, and if whoever read it, if they did meet me, um, I never felt uh, any indicator that they were uh, judging me because of it. I think you'll find too that those who are reading home studies, they, they're probably more skeptical of, I'm not speaking for everyone, but just in general, um, they're probably more skeptical of those who have the perfect history, the perfect life. And if you don't disclose those hard times and hardships in your life, there's, I mean, there's nothing for you to overcome and everything's perfect. So you're going to add to your family and things aren't going to be perfect. So they want the people like, like, you know, your story to be heard more so they can, it's more relatable. You know, I wish I had done that when I was writing it. I wouldn't have done <laughs> <it> afterwards. <laughs> it's kind of like when you go to when you go into someone's house and everything is in place and perfect all the time. It's like really <laughs> the perfect yard. You always wonder. <laughs> so, Jeremiah, what would you say to those who uh, believe that parents should consist of only one mother and one father? Oh, you know, um, what I would tell them is that a child who needs a home doesn't care if there's a mom and a dad uh, waiting for them. A child in need um, doesn't care whether or not um, 
you know, you have two moms or two dads. What matters is the love. And what matters is the kindness that is shown to this child in need, in their hour of need. You know, um, my husband and I always uh, went into every foster child with the same attitude is that we were going to treat that child as if we had loved them since the day they were born. You know, um, every child would get treated like they were our child. And even if they were with us a day, a week, an hour, a month, we were gonna make sure that that was the best time that they had. So when they thought back on their foster care experience, they didn't have a negative opinion of the foster care system. Because let's just face it, you know, when people think of foster care and they've had experience in the system, if you've had a bad placement, the entire system is going to look bad to you. And so we wanted our placement with whomever for however long to be the best. So what I would tell them is that none of that matters. The amount of people doesn't matter. It, it's the amount of love that matters. Um, and if you if you start nitpicking about who gets to have a child based on the determination of sexual orientation, not only are you limiting yourself to a smaller pool, but you're also denying some child somewhere the potential for love. Um, and that's that potential for love is 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 worth it. And even if they never get a placement, just to know that they're there and available, it's worth it. So do you feel like the bar is set lower for dads, like maybe in the eyes of society? Um, I don't think it's set lower. Um, in my personal experience, I think it might be set a little bit higher. And what I mean by that is that, um, is take our son, uh, for example, you know, he's, uh, he's, th he's three years old. He's almost four and he just got moved up in his, uh, daycare from the three-year-olds to the four-year-olds. Um, and so these children are beginning to ask, oh, well, are you Cody's dad? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm Cody's dad. And then they'll see my husband. Well, are you Cody's dad? And they can they get that confused look on their face. And they're and then they'll be like, say something like, oh, well, Cody has two dads. And I'm like, yep, Cody has two dads. And then usually it's either why or I have a mommy and a daddy or um, they, they'll make some kind of comparison. Um, but the children have begun to recognize that. And so for two men to be raising a child, I feel that sometimes um, when other parents look at us, um, they will think that the child maybe is missing something, is that they're not getting something. You know, um, there's, there's all kinds of websites and, and 
and programs devoted to mothers because that there's only love that a mother can get, you know. Um, so I think when it comes to two dads raising a child, um, especially a child that they've adopted, um, I think people are expecting more because there's not a woman or not a female in the home to give that love that only a mother can give. And so we're always trying to make up for that. Whether or not it, it's in my head or whether or not I'm putting too much pressure on myself, um, that's always it, That's always there. That thought is always there. Um, that I can't give that child something that they need because I'm not a woman or one of us is not a woman. Hmm. Yeah, I always feel like I always feel like either we're being judged by the other parents for not having, um, you know, providing a mom uh, for these for these boys. Um, but then I also, you know, have worry that their other parents are looking at us like, well, what do two men know about raising babies? You know, um, now, and unfortunately. Um, I have had someone say that to me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that she didn't feel that uh, two men could raise a baby. Of course, she was coming at it from a uh, completely religious, uh, ideological way. Um, and so she was not on board with any part of it. Um, but there's the, the that's out there that exists, you know. Um, and all we can do is just um, give our children the best life that we can give them, um, give them everything they need. And hopefully, when uh, they're 16 or 17 years old, and I tell them no, they can't borrow the car, they don't tell me that they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that happened to you. There's, go ahead. Yeah. And your, your hugs are filled with just as much love, if not more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do get a good hug, don't I? You do. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah, do you have any last thoughts for us today? My last thoughts? Hmm. Well, I would just like to say to any couple, um, especially the same-sex couples out there, that want to start this process and they want to be parents and they and they decide to go through foster care to to do so just know that it is hard um it is hard for everybody um it's going to be uh it's going to be a lot of nervous nights you know after you send in paperwork after paperwork um of when are they going to call? Why aren't they calling? Um, and the licensing process as it goes forth, you know, now you're inviting someone into your home uh, to, to basically judge you. And, you know, as a same-sex couple or even a, a gay person, you know, being judged is something that we dread, you know, we're, we're judged all of our lives. And now we're inviting someone into our home to actually judge us and not just based on our drapes, but we're, we're, you know, 
gaining access to a child, to this little human that needs us. Um, so for any same-sex couples that want to start this process, please do. It will be so worth it. Um, as someone who now has two adopted children, um, I would take all of the bad again just to be in the same position that I am right now. It was all worth it, and it can be worth it for everybody. They just have to apply for it. Oh, I just get chills. Oh, I know this is this is where we need like an applause button or something in our yeah, that's, <laughs> like oh, our standing ovation. Uh -huh. Feeling for Clint. Oh, thank you so much, Jeremiah. We appreciate awesome. you being with us. Absolutely, today. my pleasure being here again. And Great. Jeremiah, it's um we're recording during foster care appreciation month, so just a shout out to foster providers and parents and caregivers out there and then we're going to be kicking off um pride month in june so it's kind of yes. a you were a good way to end the month and start june so wonderful yeah so thank you so much for joining us um today and it's as always great to spend some time with you in the afternoon well thank you for having me back i want to let our audience know that foster adopt minnesota has a program called help that offers a warm line to resources for adoptive foster and kinship families including a network of adoption-competent, trauma-informed therapists statewide. Go to our website, fosteradoptmn.org, and click on Help. Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast, and tune in again soon.